Mike, what is your deal, oh, man? Oh, come on, man. You've been riding me all day. Mike, you're playing like Betty White out there. That's not what your girlfriend said. Oh. Baby. Oh, 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 Eat a Snickers. Better? Better. Hey! How about that? That hurt. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. I don't know if you've seen that commercial before, but Snickers has a whole uh, whole line of commercials that talk about these kinds of things. And really the thought we want to get into this morning as we close our Heroes and Villains series, if you've been journeying along with us, we've been looking at the lives of people out of the Bible, and some of them have been heroes, and some of them have been villains. And as we close it up, we want to look at the life of Saul, who's also called Paul, and see that we all have the capability to be two different individuals at time. Now, hopefully we don't go from Betty White to a 35-year-old guy playing football. Hopefully our swing isn't, isn't that great. But I want you to consider some people that would be well-known in different aspects of life and think people are really two different people all the time. What about David, the king out of the Bible? When you picture David... Do you picture David as the one who wrote the Psalms, the one who brought Israel to the greatest point that they would have ever been in their, in their history? He was taking, he had military wins. Is, it, is David this great warrior king who, who beat Goliath and wrote the Bible? Or is David the murderous adulterer who saw the pretty girl next door and had her husband killed and then had a baby with that lady? Which person do you picture when you picture, um, when you picture David? Or what about, what about the movies? What about when you go to the movies and you see the Star Wars trilogy? Do you picture little cute Anakin Skywalker who started off as that little boy in that first one and he's got that, that little thing going on in the front of his head there? Or, or do you picture him, when you picture Star Wars, do you picture Darth Vader, the, the, just the evil guy who maybe it resolves in the end, but he's the guy that chokes people with his hand and he's angry. Who do you picture? Do you picture Anakin Skywalker or do you picture, I've got a bit of a ring here, Luke, I don't know if we can, do you picture Anakin Skywalker or do you picture um, Darth Vader. Or what about if we go to politics? So I have some friends who are, who are, who are South African, and uh, when they hear the name Nelson Mandela, they have a very different understanding of who he is than what my understanding is, because we, we know that Nelson Mandela was the hero who fought against racism and apartheid, and, and he, the world celebrated him worldwide upon, upon his death, and he had the great leadership. But then at the same time, Anyone who had lived in South, South Africa would say, you know, there was a violent uprising that, 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 that preceded that, and there was this allegiance to communism forced into a world that didn't seem to want it. We have dual, we have dual natures sometimes. We have two pictures that we present to the world, even in ourselves. When you consider your own life, what do you, what do you consider? Do you picture yourself in your failings and in your shortcomings when the times when you lose your temper, the times when you've totally blown it and you feel like, man, I stunk today? <laughs> or do you picture yourself in your moments of success? Each of us has the capability to be one of two people. We, I guess, can be Betty White at some times, and sometimes we can be the 35-year-old man playing football. Every last one of us has that moment when we feel like we can take on the world, we're strong and confident, and moments where we feel disgusted with ourselves and we can't even believe the mistakes that we're making. 
And as we close our Heroes and Villains series, we're going to look at the life of Paul, who's also called Saul. So anytime you read Saul or Paul, when you go through Acts and into the New Testament, you may see him listed as Saul or Paul. And those are just two ways that he was referred to. It wasn't that he was Saul before he met um, Jesus and Paul. There wasn't this transformation name, and now you're Paul. No, he was called both. It's just different ways that he was called two different things. And Saul, as we know him, was a Pharisee. He followed the Jewish religion. And he was, he, so as, as a Pharisee, as a Jewish follower, he would have rejected Jesus as God's son, but he obeyed all the laws that would have been in the law that was given to him, the laws that we can see within the Old Testament. And he believed that so strongly. He was convicted that this was the right thing to do, that he would bring those people who were claiming to be Christians and saying this, this teacher, this rabbi Jesus who came, he was actually God's son. He chased them down. He brought them to religious court. He had them imprisoned for heresy, for calling Jesus God. And then sometimes he would even have them killed because he believed what he was doing was so right. And then he had a moment when he encountered God supernaturally as only God can, and he meets him individually in person, and Saul begins this new phase of his life. And it's interesting how the two-faced nature of humanity, it really reveals itself in the key, the big moments, the important things, the, the things that actually matter to us. It's not like you would lose your mind and you would become a different person over lunch. You're like, I ordered the light mayo on this tuna. At least hopefully you're not doing that in the middle of the cafeteria at lunch. It's, a, it's in the big areas of your life where this duality often shows up between us. So we're going to look at the, we're going to look at three P's in Paul's life. We're going to look at how he struggled to manage this tension between, um, between the way that he was going to live his life and the way that God wanted him to, to live in his purpose in his life's purpose in the power where he got his power, where he got his strength from, and in his popularity, in the decisions that he would make. And there's a passage of scripture that Paul wrote to the church, the church in Rome, in Italy, and it describes this struggle and the way that Paul found a way to win. And that's going to be our key text. So if you have a Bible this morning, go to Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 7. You, you can find it on our, on our Portico app. The scriptures will be listed there. If you just go to the um, live messages, you'll see the notes. It'll be in your bulletin. And if you do need a copy of the Bible to borrow this morning, we do have some copies at the back. Just quickly slip your hand up, and one of our ushers will make sure you get a copy of the Bible to borrow this morning. You can just leave it at the back on your way out this morning. So let's read Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 7 as our key text. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind is governed by flesh, that's our humanity. The mind governed by flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. He's contrasting that dichotomy. The mind governed by flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. I'm just going to pray. God, help us to understand this scripture this morning. Help us to understand the struggle that's going on with inside us. And God, give us faith to believe that we can find your purpose, we can find strength in you, and we can find a way to make decisions that even though they go against what might be logical to us, uh, God, if you've asked us to do it, help us to have the faith to follow those decisions. And Lord, I pray that um, your word be so clear to us this morning. We ask this in the name of Jesus this morning. Yeah, amen. So your takeaway this morning is that the battle between 
a hero and a villain is not one that we want to do in our own power. We've tried it that way and we've lost. We've, we've promised that we would never lose our temper again with our family. And then there's like a toy out on the stairs and you fall down the stairs, a, a thing that you've talked to your kids about a thousand times you, and you get down to the bottom of the stairs with a hurt back, but more with this rage inside you. I told you never to do that. And you're ready to lose. Or you said, you know, I'll never go back to that. I'll never go back to that habit. I'm going to do this. And then you get into the moment and you lose the battle. We swear we would never do it. And in our own strength, we fall short. Humans are imperfect. We have weaknesses. And we don't come to church to feel guilty, nor does God want us to feel guilty. We, 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 we don't come to say, hey, you've blown it, and now we're going to point the finger at, at you. It's actually a place where we can come and we can admit we do have weaknesses, and this is a place of broken, weak people. And Paul figures this out, and he writes a letter to the church in Rome, and he says, only those who set their minds on spiritual things, who give control over to the point that their entire mind is governed by the Spirit, those are the ones who will become the heroes of faith. And the ones who try to do it in their own power and strength, he wrote, it's death. (laughs) It's hostile to God. And really what church is, really what the Christian life is, it's, it's a slow process of giving control up and learning how to lead a life that's led by the Spirit, a Spirit that you can't see (laughs) and take direction from a voice that you can't hear audibly. And it's this tug of war between yourself and your instinct and learning how to determine the pull of the Holy Spirit that is evident in our lives. And it's a concept that many of us struggle with and we can't really understand it. And we're going to walk through the process this morning of how we can begin to determine how do I live a life that's led by the Spirit? How do I understand what God is saying to me and give over more of myself to that direction? And it'll be a great study this morning, one you may want to follow up in your small groups as well. So the first one is this. When we look at our purpose, are we self-determined or are we spirit-directed? And this this tug of war going on. Is it, do, am, am I self-determined? Am I pulling it on myself? Or am I letting the Spirit win the, the tug of war, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, direct me? Consider for yourself this morning, how did you decide what you were going to go to school for? Or how did you decide what you wanted to work as? What was the thing that drew you to the final decision that said, I'm going to get into this job? Or I'm going to go to this school? Or I'm going to... This is what I'm going to do with my life. How did you arrive at that decision? For many students, we say, go to your guidance department. Your guidance counselor will help you figure that out. So as they're going through high school, and then even as they go into college, university, they can go to, the, they can go to their, their uh, different departments and get, and, and get feedback. Amanda, my wife, she eats, sleeps, and breathes a program called My Blueprint. And it starts kids right in grade. Any, anybody with kids going through My Blueprint? Hopefully there's a few kid, people... Oh, Amanda will be so disappointed. Andrew, you, Andrew, you've been in the middle of it for how many years? Have you gone through my blueprint? Do you know what it is? Actually, Andrew was at our house at New Year's Eve last year, and Amanda made him do some my blueprint, I believe. <laughs> we, she, it's this program that charts courses they can take, the jobs that they may want to lead to, the skills that they may have, the volunteer experience, apprenticeships, where they could go to best fit their job. It's a wonderful tool that they use. Some of us will get into personality or aptitude testing. We'll find, is my career, is this school a good fit for who I am? Maybe our families, our, our parents had a great influence in saying, here's a job we'd really like you to do. Here's something you, that your father has done and, and I did, so I want you to do it. Or, or I really think this is a thing that I could launch you into. 
Maybe it was just, hey, I needed money, I needed a job, and this was a place that was hiring, and it was a real, like, I have a problem A, here's a solution B, and I'm going to do this job. There's all kinds of reasons why we determine the job that we're getting into. And many of them are logical. And it gets us into a good career. It's, it's the same for the houses that we own. What house am I going to buy? Here's what I can afford. Here's a house that's for sale. Boom, I'm going to do it. Here's a relationship. Like most of our relationships begin out of convenience. It's, it's a person that I'm close to, that somebody introduced to me, that my family knows, that I work with. We are, for the most part, and I'll say for the most part, rational, educated people that can make decisions. <laughs> Some of us, we need a little more help than others, but, <laughs> but here's, here's Paul, as we study him. He was raised Jewish, and he believed that he should strictly follow the law that was written down in the Old Testament. There are the Ten, the Ten Commandments, that, that are probably the most well-known, the most famous, that you shouldn't kill, you shouldn't steal, you, um, you should worship God only. And There are those Ten, but then... The Jewish law, they articulated how to follow those commandments in 613 practices, how to honor God properly. And they would get down to the very, when, when they were going to give to God, they would look at their spices and their clothing and everything they had, and they would give a tenth of that because they wanted to honor God well. And they knew that there was the Sabbath day, the day they were supposed to honor God. Well, they wouldn't, they wouldn't make any food. They wouldn't let their animals to be up and around. They, some of them would not even move on the entire Sabbath day because they wanted to honor God well. They, they had the whole system of, of eating of what was clean and what was unclean. And, and Paul would have eaten super kosher. He would have been very strict and they and then they were awaiting God to come and place Israel to political preeminence that's what they were waiting for so when Jesus came these are this group of people honoring God very well so in the most logical way that they could figure out how to do and when they see Jesus come who was said to be born out of out of um, that that the couple weren't married and they had the baby and he came from a very lowly place, and he wasn't bringing Israel to the top. In fact, he was seeming to honor Rome when nobody else wanted to honor Rome. He, he wasn't whom they were expecting. So when Jesus came, they did what they felt they should do, what the logical response for them should be. If someone's claiming to be God and wasn't God, it made sense within their religion to kill him as a heretic and arrest him. And so Saul going ahead, killing Christians, stopping the Christian church, this was actually a rational decision given his time and context. As I was preparing for this morning, I was thinking, do you ever wonder, would you have ever ended up in a Christian church? You're in a Christian church here this morning. If you grew up and you were born in, in Syria or Iran and you lived your entire life there, would you have ever ended up in a Christian church? So where do we get off saying that our way is right above all others if others are just following what their heritage says, following what was given to them as a logical way of living life. See, that logic makes sense if we're self-directed. If we say, I have enough information, I have enough stuff within me to guide my own life, and, and the things that are given to me by my family, by my educators, by my influences, if, if that's enough I can be self-directed and I can do just what I think is right. Then Saul encounters the Holy Spirit. And when he encounters him, 
he offers him a completely different perspective and says, Saul, what are you doing? What you're doing doesn't make any sense, even though he had been following sound logic. We're going to go to Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, and this is where Saul encounters the Holy Spirit. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and he asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So if he found any there who belonged to the way, that's what they would have called those who were following Christ whether men or women, he may take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. He's doing this to honor God. Remember, doing this to honor what he had um, been taught. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light flashed from heaven around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? He immediately recognizes this as God. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus. The one whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. (laughs) And from that day forward, Paul understood, Saul understood. He couldn't live out a life that made rational sense for a Jewish man, but he had to allow for the control and the direction of the Holy Spirit. Paul changes everything about his life, what he was doing, what he dedicated his life to. He now dedicated his life to helping people discover the Holy Spirit in the same way that he had. And being directed by the Holy Spirit means that we have to be okay that logic can't always dictate what we're going to do. Sometimes God wants to change what we're doing. And though it doesn't make complete sense to us, it's critically important that we follow it because we have to say, you know, I don't have all the answers. I can't figure it out on my own. The Holy Spirit has to intervene into my life. Now, Paul was lucky because the Holy Spirit chased him down, knocked him off his donkey and onto his, never mind, onto the road (laughs) and spoke. Some of you filled in the blank there and shame on you. (laughs) On the road and he spoke audibly to him. Now, most of us aren't so lucky in most cases. We need to create time and space in our lives to encounter God's spirit and then trust that it's actually God speaking to us. And that kind of trust isn't easy. And when you come on a Sunday morning, here's what you need to understand. There's been a group of people that have been praying all week and preparing all week that God would speak in the music that God would speak on the talk that's delivered on Sunday, that God would speak through other people just as they're having conversation. And we have been praying and believing that God would use us to give his message to us as a church and as a Christ follower or as somebody that's interested in learning about God. And so that then we believe that the urge, the sensation that's inside of us as we're meeting together like this, as people have been preparing, we have to trust that that's actually the voice of the Holy Spirit. And logic is going to urge you this. Logic is going to say that thing that you felt, that voice that you thought you heard inside your head, it's just self-talk. That's what logic would say. (laughs) But if God promised that he would speak in the Bible, he said, I'm going to speak to you. I'll, I'll give you my word. And you're in a place where people are praying that God would speak to us. Then why couldn't it be God speaking to you? Why couldn't the message that you hear and that you feel that you sense, why couldn't that be God? 
And this is the very way that a person learns to become spirit-directed instead of self-directed. And God, listen, God can speak not just that in a church. God speaks in our home, in our, in, in our quiet times, in our quiet places. When we open up the Bible, which we believe to be the living word of God, we believe that God speaks to us. And is it too much for us to believe that what we read and what we feel is actually the spirit of God giving direction to us? I believe that the Holy Spirit is active. I believe that the Holy Spirit speaks. And even in conversation between friends, as we get together, God chooses to use each of us in his own way, used by the Holy Spirit to speak truth to us. And when Paul figured out that God only didn't give law, but he also spoke, he knew that he needed to give up control. And the whole way that he operated changes. I want to show you a map of, of, of where Paul went. Each, each one of those lines is a journey that Paul would have taken 2,000 some odd years ago by foot or by boat. <laughs> this, was a, this, this was a guy that gave, look where he would have gone. You think how long, if you go on a Mediterranean cruise, that's like a two-week cruise, right? He did that four times by foot, going around to all these cities or, or by boat. And he began each one by saying, God, where should I go? You tell me which cities I need to visit. And in fact, in the midst of one visit, in the middle of the night, he has a dream. And he dreams that there's a man from Macedonia in Greece pleading that he would come and teach them. And here's what we read in Acts 16 and 10. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once and we left for Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to him. Everything changes about the way Paul lives because he be- once he believes that God spoke, he started listening. Self-reflection question this morning. What has God been saying to you about work, about relationships, about life? Has God been saying something to you? Another self-reflection question. Have you even been in the place regularly where you believe God can speak. Because if we are asking and listening, God gives us direction. Heroes live lives that are not self-directed. Heroes live lives that are surrendered to the Spirit. That's the first one. We need to believe that God is speaking and believe that God can direct us. Number two, when it comes to the power that we do it in, We can be self-reliant or we can be spirit-empowered. That is the struggle that goes on inside of us. Because as you try to learn how to determine what the voice of the Holy Spirit is, just know that God doesn't ask you to do it on your own. (laughs) He, He doesn't ask you to make decisions that go against your instinct and against logic all on your own power. Paul was a trained teacher. He had the ability to lead and influence under his own power. But look at how he describes his own human ability in the book of Philippians 3 and 9. This is what he writes to the church in Philippi on one of these journeys he went on. He said, what is more, I consider everything that he has a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for the sake of for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage. He's referring to the tools and the skills and the abilities that he has. I consider it garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, so not under his own ability to please God, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. See, we all have skills that we can offer the world and and you're praised for them at your work. When you do well at work, 
under your own power, you say, great job, and you might get a promotion. When you, when you share a status update or pictures of, of things that you've done well, that your family have done well, the, the world brags on you and you get 600 likes saying, great job, and we, like, you, did, you, you, finished, uh, you finished a course, you, you did something athletically, you had a, a family highlight moment together, and people say, great job, the world brags on you. But God can actually never use us to the way that he wants to use us to until we surrender our reliance on our personal ability and our self-reliance and begin to rely on the work of the Holy Spirit that can come through within us. See, right when Jesus is leaving the earth, he's come back to life, he's been resurrected, he's going up to heaven, he's going to send out the disciples. And he says, guys, I want you to start churches. And they're like, we've never started a church. We followed you. And actually, we were kicked out of most of the churches that we went into. And he goes, no, I want you to start a church. And I want you to, to, to preach powerfully about the message that I've been preaching. And one of them's a fisherman, and a lot of them are uneducated. A lot of them can't read or write. And they're like, okay, we'll be the great orators that, that you've been. We'll be the great teachers. We don't know how to do that. Some of them have been outcasts. And he said, I want you to start the church. And they said, we can't do that, but we can fish and we can do some other things. And he goes, okay, you're right. So then he says in Acts 1-4, wait for the gift my father promised you, which you've heard me speak about. He's saying, don't go and do it until you have the Holy Spirit. Because if you do it in your own ability, it will, it might succeed. It may not succeed. Knowing that group of 11, it probably would not have succeeded. But if you wait for the Holy Spirit and you begin to rely on the gift that I will give you, God can use us to do things that we would never have imagined that we could have done. And the church spreads all across, uh, all across Europe and Asia at that time because of these 11 and what they did that um, when they made themselves available to the leading of the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, you may be a skilled computer tech, and indeed God can use your abilities in the technical world, but God may be asking you to try something new. God may be saying, I've given you a spirit, my spirit to go do something else. He may be calling you to go on a short-term missions trip. He may be calling you to host a small group where people can come and have discussion about God and, and, and debate these things. So help me, he may even be calling you to serve in the nursery on Sunday mornings and be back, there with, be back there with the baby so that parents who may not come to church other than have the opportunity to have their child in the nursery can come to service and hear about God because you've made yourself available. And yes, nursery is a spiritual gift because if I went into the nursery on my own, Mike's even, Mike and I could lead the nursery on our own, right? <laughs> but... <laughs> We might scare the children and there'd be chaos going on. But listen, when you make yourself available to the Holy Spirit, using us, God can do amazing things. God can do miracles when we say, I'll be used. I know there's a need. God's given me the ability. God will give me the ability to do it, even if it's not in my own power. The prophet Zechariah wrote about that. He said in 4 and 6, he said, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And if the only argument you have is that I can't do that because it's not natural for me, then we don't have a leg to stand on because God said, I want you to do it on your own anyway. He said, don't go anywhere until you have the Holy Spirit. Don't do it in your might and power. Do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's not that it goes against God to use our natural ability. Paul still, Paul still spoke and Paul still taught. But it's a matter of attitude, reminding ourselves that every ability we have comes from God anyway. So I need to use that to honor God. And it could be taken from us at any moment. We know that life throws us curveballs and turns we never expected all the time. 
And we can never limit ourselves to only working within the area that we feel we have skill. Moses was the man who stuttered and said, I can't speak. And he's the one that spoke to Pharaoh, the leader of the known world at the time. David was the shepherd who fought the giant and led the army. The heroes of our faith were not only spirit-directed, they were also spirit-empowered. Okay, we have one more this morning. It's popularity. Are we self-serving or are we spirit-surrendered? See, heroes make it a point to lay down the accolades and to turn their back on what would be best for their life course and simply follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. The popular decision or the decision that benefits me is often the decision that I shouldn't be making. Paul faced this challenge on his way to Jerusalem in Acts 20 and 21. And it was in a time of prayer that Paul felt the Holy Spirit saying, you should go to Jerusalem. You need to go to Jerusalem. You need to abandon part of the journey, the missionary work that you're on, like the little map that we had. Abandon that. You need to focus your sights on Jerusalem. And then we get to Acts chapter 21. And there's this other believer, his name's Agabus, and Agabus, they called him a prophet, but when you read that word prophet, it means somebody that spoke on behalf of God. So anybody that gave a message to each other about God, they were using a prophetic gift. And Agabus came to him, and he had this big demonstration, and he said, give me a rope, and he bound his hands, and he said, Paul, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be bound, and you're going to be arrested, and you may even be killed. And remember, Paul's going to Jerusalem because he felt the Holy Spirit tell him to go. And then this man who says, I'm telling you a message from God, you shouldn't go to Jerusalem. Don't you hate mixed messages? <laughs> and look at how Paul responds in this, Acts 20, 22, and 23. And now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prisons and hardships are facing me. And then he goes to Jerusalem. How much confidence would a person need to respond that even prison can't stop me from doing what I feel that the Holy Spirit is asking me to do? How much confidence would you have to believe that little voice you hear inside yourself when you're in a time of prayer, when you're reading a Bible, when you're in a church service to say, I think I'm going to prison, but I'm supposed to do this and I'm doing it anyway. That's a person that not only believes that they should honor God, but they believe that honoring God is more important than any other end, that there's no popular decision that I should follow other than what God's asked me to do. I've shared stories with us as a church before that I, I, was, on my way to, I was on my way to school. I was in, um, in grade 12, getting ready to do my OAC year. Remember, remember OAC year? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Grade 13, 08, whatever it was. <laughs> I was getting ready to go. I was going for advertising. And um, no, I'd only been a Christ follower, f- follower for a couple of years. No one else in my family honored God. And I was, I was in, a, in a parking garage early morning doing an early morning newspaper route. And I was held up at gunpoint. And I was handcuffed. And I was held hostage for three hours. Horrible experience. A life-changing moment where I can still have flashback moments. And horrible time. And it was in my recovery process when I heard God say, you need to go 
and tell other people that I can protect them. You need to go and tell other people that you, they can have peace when they don't have peace. You need to go tell other people about God. I was a kid that had been in speech therapy, that had stuttered. I was a kid that had only followed God for two years. And I was a kid that was actually questioning whether God could protect me because he just allowed me to be kidnapped and held at gunpoint. And then God says, you should go to Bible college and become a pastor. <laughs> And it was in the moment of following God, in a moment that didn't make any logical sense, knowing that I would be ridiculed by family and, and even questioning myself. It was in a moment of just following the voice of the Spirit that I found my eventual purpose. And I began to see God use me to speak and use me to encourage in a way that I could never do on my own. Amanda and I, as a young couple, getting ready to start our family, and God says, you need to adopt. And we said, no, we need to have a baby. Trust me, I went to health class. I know how this works. There are two people come together, and they have a baby. I, I've seen the movies and the pictures. This is how it works. And, and God, says, God says, no, you need to adopt. So we go through the whole process of preparing ourselves for adoption, and it's a costly process. It's a long process. They say it takes three to five years, and we're, we're into this journey, and nothing's really happening for us. And Amanda had been leading a missions team to Beijing at an at a organization called Bring Me Hope. And then for three years afterwards, we have nothing happening. And we're saying, God, we are just going to make this baby happen. I know that we can do this. And then, and then as we're in a moment of kind of wrestling with God about, God, this isn't a logical decision. We're, we should just have a baby. God speaks to Amanda on a drive to work, but you just need to have hope. And then that day, we had a phone call from an adoption worker that said, I want to present to you a file of a child named Hope. And we said, wow, God, it's in the moments when we don't go with logic. It's in the moments where we say, you actually do speak. And those little, those small things that seem insignificant after we've left the church service, and we say, no, that was just me making it up. That's God speaking. Those are the times, those are the two moments in my life that have changed everything. The moments that I was actually questioning whether God was faithful are the moments that God spoke. The Holy Spirit directs. You need to know that. The Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit empowers. And there are people in church this morning, I believe, who have never fully believed and never fully understood what it means to be led by the Spirit what it means to hear the Holy Spirit. And this morning, as we were preparing, here's what we believe. This is your time. This is your day. God is going to speak to us this morning. And the band's going to sing a song about the Holy Spirit. And you can sing or you can listen. But here's what I want you to consider. What is the big question that's on your heart right now? Is it, God, what on earth is going on at work? (laughs) I was let go, or it seems like I'm going to be let go, or... I just need a job, or God, am I supposed to quit this job? Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit this morning. He will speak. God promises. Is it, God, I feel so alone right now, and I don't sense you. Where are you? The whole book of Proverbs and Lamentations and Jeremiah is a lot of people crying out, God, where are you? God speaks. This morning, the voice, we we believe this, trust this, the voice that you hear, the thing that you feel, that'll be the presence of the Holy Spirit. We'll come back and close with a little direction at the end. And whatever you need to do, if you want someone to pray with you, we'll be, I'll be around the front. We'll have some of our prayer partners available. If you just want to be off on your own, that's okay. But would you take a few moments and just listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit this morning? As I'm, I'm sitting there, I, 
I think I'm hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, and I think there, I just want to encourage some people that as you sit in a service like this, and you said, I didn't hear anything, here's what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is saying, no, you did hear me because you asked me to speak. And this morning you were doubting if I spoke, and you took a risk. Keep seeking me. Keep, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep looking. I am speaking to you, and I'm encouraging you this morning. I'm real. My voice is real. That's the, that's the message of the Holy Spirit for, for someone here this morning. God, thank you. God, thank you for moments like this where you intersect our lives and you give us truth and you give us an encouragement and you give us direction. God, help us to be so bold. Help us to be faithful, um, to be obedient, to trust that it's you. We, wanna, we, we don't want to rely totally on our own experience, our own logic, what we've had. God, it's served us to a point, but we want what you have. We want what's best. We want the perfect, knowing that what we bring sometimes is imperfect and fails. Thank you, God, for an amazing time just to study in your word and to feel your presence, to hear your voice. We thank you, Jesus. I also feel as we're closing, I just want to encourage us. With, who would say this morning, yeah, I heard, the, I heard the Holy Spirit this morning. Would you just lift a hand and encourage the church that the Holy Spirit's speaking? Just take, not as a moment of brag, but yeah, I hear, look at that. The, the Holy Spirit is speaking to people this morning. This is why we come. And, and some, days it's, some days it's hard to believe, but that's amazing. Can we celebrate God this morning that, that he is speaking to people? And really, if, it, if, if that it was a difficult experience for you and you're saying, no, I didn't really hear God. He says, keep looking, keep seeking, be in a place. When you open the Bible, we, we believe the Bible is God's living word and that is him speaking to us all the time. And when, when you're facing something, you go, I'm going to read the Bible because his Bible will t- speak to us. We get into a church where... His message is preached. We get into conversation with just somebody who's a believer and say, can you help me figure this out? God speaks in all those ways. Don't limit the way that God's going to speak to you, okay? Don't limit it that it has to be a big, sensational, big moment. He may just speak to you tonight. The question you're asking, open up the Bible and read it. Talk to a friend. Um, he, God speaks in all different ways. He's chosen to use us as a church to bring that to other people, and we really believe that God does speak.